Welcome to Lunch on Monday. We're so glad you've joined us at the table. This podcast is a candid conversation between two friends trying to make sense of current events around the world. Our conversations aim to leave us with deeper questions rather than oversimplistic answers. Lunch on Monday will hopefully give you something to chew on for the rest of the week. Hi again, I'm Lizette. And I'm Caitlin. We are on episode three of Lunch on Monday, Can You Believe It? Um, We've got a lot to discuss today, so Mm. we're going to jump right into it. Um, But we've loved hearing your feedback. Again, shoot us an email at lunchonmonday at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, contributions, future ideas for topics of discussion. Yeah. Um, In each episode of Lunch on Monday, we'll be discussing a story or current events, um, and just questions that we're thinking about from that. Um, we want to not just use articles, we want to be using videos and movies and all kinds of things. And so um, today we're actually t- going to talk about Just Mercy. Um, but just in general, we you can check out our resources on our show notes. Um, so if you want to follow along, um, if you yeah want to look into things, feel free to pause here, go back, look at those, and come back when you can. Um, but yeah. Yes. Also, as a heads up, there's definitely going to be some spoilers we talk about today in the movie. So if you want to wait to listen to this episode till after you've seen the movie, that is totally a-okay with us. Mm-hmm. But as always, first order of business, Caitlin most Ball. Important. The most important. What did you actually have for lunch today? So I feel like this is me just bigging myself up because I've cooked lunch all last week. It weeks. Is. So maybe next week, Caitlin will yeah, cook lunch. I, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. I yeah. should cook lunch. Maybe. I then thinking, I can pick I you up. The then I can pick you up. Exactly. <laughs> I'm totally fine with you cooking lunch. Um, yeah, no. Uh, you had made an excellent chili. And then I think uh, your housemate, Lauren, yes. thought of putting it into a wrap. So yeah, we basically we had... had like burrito. Chili oh, it was delicious. Delicious. So good. And then with the dessert, this is my favorite part. Oh, Go on, yes. tell them, Caitlin. We, we had, had some nice um, passion fruit ice cream. It was ice cream. Yes. With like lint chocolate, um, but it, it has fig in it, right? Oh, That's my word. New, we were just living our flavor. best life. Honestly. Um, yeah. Those two flavors together are absolutely phenomenal. So, so, so good. Um, so today we're talking about Just Mercy, just are mercy. we? This is actually a movie that we'd wanted to watch together a long time ago. Yeah. Before confinement. Um, the story about this is really funny because we were actually trying to go to the cinema to watch Just Mercy. Mm. We left my house late. And so we literally ran, like, sprinting <laughs> through from my house to the cinema only to get there to find out that... A, it was completely sold out, yes, right? Yes. And so there were no many, no more seats. Um, we ended up watching like The Gentleman instead yes, or something like this. But um, <laughs> only now are we getting a chance to watch it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks to the fact that it's streaming for free. Yes. Um, when can people will see it for free? I said YouTube videos, right? Yes. Uh, YouTube movies. And then also, I think on Amazon. Amazon Prime. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So for the whole month of June, streaming for free. So if you want to catch it, you can see it online. Um, Yes, and features absolute legends of Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. I'm a huge Michael B. Jordan fan. That is no secret to anyone who knows me. Um, So it didn't take a lot of convincing (laughs) to want to see this movie. And to be honest, I think even in terms of timing, like it's been even more impactful to watch it given, you know, the 
this awakening of civil rights movement again and the Black Lives Matter movement again. So yeah, honestly, I think the timing has been really impactful. Honestly, it was, it's, it's perfect. Mm. Um, yeah, the basic overview is that um, Michael B. Jordan plays uh, Brian Stevenson, who's a, a real guy. This is based on a real story. Um, he's a, a lawyer, an American lawyer. He's a social justice ac- activist. But as the movie begins, you really see him um, really coming out of college. He went to Harvard. He moves down south onto Montgomery, Alabama, and begins a um, a nonprofit, essentially, mm-hmm. the Equal Justice Initiative. And he begins to defend clients on death row. And so you see um, sort of that setup, and you see as uh, Stevenson takes this case of a man who's convicted um, for murdering a like 16-year-old girl, I believe, mm-hmm. um, in a small town outside of Montgomery. And uh, you see it's a black man, and this is a white girl who was mor- murdered. Um, the man's name is Walter McMillan. Mm-hmm. So you see Stevenson take on his case. Yeah. So this is a real case. Again, like you can look it up based on um, a true story. And it's just super interesting. Like, overall, I just thought the movie was really well done. I mean, it was excellent casting in general. We were just talking about this. We are saying, like, how each of the actors, like, do a phenomenal job in the play. I mean, in the movie. Um, So I was just wondering for you, like, Caitlin, you had some standout moments for you or some thoughts. Yeah, there is so many powerful moments. Uh, There are a few quotes that I really enjoyed. Um, from it. One was, the opposite of poverty isn't wealth, the opposite of poverty is justice. Mm. And just thinking about that, (laughs) (laughs) like, yeah, like when we live in a world where things do go as they're supposed to go, that Mm -hmm. is a wealthy world, isn't it? It's it's a world, uh, like, full of life, it's full of truth, and it it gives the ability for us to have... um, right relationships yeah um it's so interesting isn't it because i think you know one of the big reasons we started this podcast was we didn't want to just give like help like you know quick one-liner answers but we wanted to sit in things and um really wrestle with different questions and actually force ourselves to have conversations about some of these things and the reason i love that quote is it's saying that you know we the simple answer to poverty would be wealth wouldn't it like that would be the quick answer it's like you don't have money you need money let me help you Mm -hmm. um whereas actually in saying that the opposite of poverty is justice that's so much that's such a deeper level of an answer that's saying that there's actually a system that isn't working that we need to address in order that everyone can have justice and wealth and flourishing like one comes with the other you know but it's like the sort of deeper level answer which i think is so interesting yes that that flows well into the second quote that really hit me which is the character of our nation isn't reflected in how we treat the rich but in how we treat the poor the disfavored and condemned Mm. and i think uh yeah you put it so well like if so many people are stuck in this impoverished state in this oppressed state Mm. then obviously there is a system that's that's happening behind it um and it is very true that what's the hardest thing to do is to treat someone who is quote unquote underneath you or um, who is being poorly treated. Um, how do you like? How do you react in a certain situation? We see a lot of characters in the movie basically having to make moment <laughs> to take on moments where they're yeah. like, "How am I going to react when everyone totally. else is treating someone?" Yeah, terribly? and I mean that's every. I mean, just even thinking about that in my day to day life, like genuinely just asking myself that question, like, "How am I treating people who?" Yeah, like are in positions of like 
you know, your, your ATM, like the lady at the cashier or, you know, Mm -hmm. someone who's a a waiter or waitress in a restaurant, like genuinely just asking myself, actually, how am I treating people at that level? But then beyond that is how am I treating people who maybe I don't know as well, or I don't know their culture as well? Like, how can I actually continue to give honor to people? Mm and there are also the people who literally have like in this in this social conscience it's like they're just seen as as lower whether mm. that is like a prisoner or that's someone who's like homeless on the street or something like that mm. there's already like a stigma attached to them yeah um, that and tells us how we quote unquote should treat them yeah and either prejudice or you know, mistakes that people have made then strip them from some of those rights, which is so interesting. Um, And I think, yeah, like we said, this kind of brings us to the next point that we wanted to discuss where um, Just Mercy covers this theme of dignity so much and it's present throughout the whole movie. And so I just Googled like what the definition, like the actual definition of dignity is, which is the state or quality of being worthy of honor or respect. And it comes from this Latin root dignus, which means worthy. And I was just so struck by that because, you know, again and again and again, black males in Just Mercy, uh, in the movie, but also in America, across our world, are having to face these gross injustices against their dignity. So there's one scene where, you know, it's the first scene that Michael B. Jordan is going to visit, uh, or Brian Stevenson rather, is going to go visit his clients in jail. And um, the guard at the uh, jail makes him sort of take off all his clothes, which is, Mm. again, this literal stripping of dignity, you know, saying, you know, he's a Harvard lawyer who's accomplished. Attorneys usually don't have to, like, submit themselves to strip searching, but because he's black, he's being literally stripped of all those things Mm -hmm. and then on top of that um you know there's this really powerful scene at the end where johnny d or um, walter mcmillan is talking about how actually when he was wrongfully convicted he actually thought oh this is all going to be over really quickly because i've got the truth on my side um but the more that people started you know testifying against him or a system you know a whole jury found that he was guilty and he was saying the more people start telling you that you are wrong or that you've committed this murder he felt he said the character says that he he feels like he's losing his truth um again so that's like stripping johnny d of his the dignity of his voice or the dignity of the yeah and also again like his whole family was with him on the day of the murder so it's like the dignity of their voices or their eyes and what they've seen and their um, value as witnesses and then this is definitely one of the most um yeah difficult parts of the movie to watch which is um herbert's execution that happens in the middle of the movie which is a really really difficult scene and in that we were saying a moment that really struck me, which is a really small moment, but I found it so touching, which is when, um, so I didn't know this, but when you are, um, have to go to the electric chair, I think they shave your whole body maybe to prevent any sort of further burning or anything like that. But, um, the first question that Herbert asks Brian Stevenson's character when he comes in is, do I look funny? You know? So it's like the day of his death and, literally the thing that he's thinking is I look funny because someone has you know shaved my head shaved my eyebrows and I don't feel like myself anymore Mm -hmm. um 
but man, that scene was a lot. It's it's so much. It's um it's a character I think that like you grow to love him anyways, right? Yeah. But then you just see how um how degrading how in a moment like everything that he has is is taken away. Yeah. Um or not even a moment, it's really this like this I don't know however long he was in prison for, but this time of oppression. Yeah. Um what's crazy to me is that what does he say? He's like, everyone treated me so well today. Yeah. Um, he said, more people have asked me today how they can help me than they have in my whole life. It's um, so weird. Yeah. <laughs> what the heck? I know. That just must be such a bizarre thing to have to live. And I just can't even imagine what that would feel like to get a taste of that dignity, that, that very yes, dignity that is. we were just talking about. Yes. Um, you only get a taste of that moments before then you're put to death um and actually realizing that as humans we crave that we crave dignity and you know one thing that we had mentioned is even in the midst of COVID-19 a big question that a lot of governments are asking is actually how do we honor people who are dying to Mm -hmm. allow people to die with dignity even when there's more numbers than you know our hospitals can deal with our graveyards can deal with um so this question of dignity is huge, but yes, it, it becomes even more important at the moment of someone's death, but how much more important is it for us to ask how we can give dignity to other people's lives yes. in the midst of their life, yes. you know, rather than waiting for the moment when, yeah, they're dying to ask these questions. And of course, the most undignifying thing that happens is that they take his life yeah. from him. Yeah. It's just the fact that so many people's lives are being taken in this way. Um, yeah. in the American system all around the world. And I think what makes that scene, yeah, so powerful, or it just shows you the power of a life, Mm -hmm. like, to see how upsetting it is, like, just, I just bawled during that scene. Oh, my word. I was, it was the ugly cry, like, sweat, like, snotting into my shirt. It was not pretty. Yeah. Um, And we were kind of talking about this, like, one of the questions that you asked is, how is no one intervening? Yes. Um, And I think, again, this is something that I just wasn't aware of, where in the movie they show this sort of, like, this theater room with um, policemen, I'm assuming some kind of like medical professionals and then uh, Brian Stevenson's character who is yeah um, who I guess maybe the person who's on death row maybe you get to request to have someone Mm. who's there in the room with you as sort of moral support Um, and it just kind of got me thinking about this idea of like death as theater and what it is about our like depraved (laughs) at times like human condition where you know we've seen this from you know, the Roman Colosseum to like guillotines to even lynchings in America were a community event. Like Mm -hmm. you would take your family to go and witness the death of someone, or, you know, you would go with your group of friends or community to the Colosseum to witness two people fight it out to the death. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, yeah, I was just really struck by this idea of audience and how, now we're the audience because of social media and you know that quote was going around for ages that you know police brutality isn't anything that's new but the fact that it's being filmed is and maybe what becomes so upsetting is that when you're part of the audience you become implicit 
complicit maybe yes. in sort of this crime you know we're all watching this and asking ourselves this question why is no one intervening mm-hmm. in this death penalty with herbert in just in the just mercy movie we're asking why is no one intervening mm-hmm. when we're watching you know something happen online or gross injustice we're like why is no one intervening why is no one doing this mm-hmm. um And it kind of made me think of sort of the bystander effect in that, you know, you all standing around in a group witnessing something horrible. Everyone thinks someone else is going to do something. And so no one does anything. And so I felt really challenged in that. And like sort of what are ways that I am complicit where I am part of this bystander effect? Like what can what do I need to be doing to sort of raise my voice or intervening in moments that I don't think are okay um, to not be part of this? idea and it brought it made me think of another quote in the movie um where at the end brian stevenson's character says we can't change the world with only ideas in our minds we need conviction in our hearts and like that's the thing that moves us to to action isn't it you know not just a kind thought not just a post on social media and we've already discussed this in previous episodes but we need conviction in our hearts we need our lives to move towards some kind of action daily over a lifetime to then amount to saying no to injustice you know so yeah yeah there has to be there has to be that conviction because it's going against the current and the tide of everything else that's happening like the tide of in the current of injustice is very strong so to swim against it you know it takes a decision and i think some of the stats that we had on the death penalty just generally like Mm -hmm. here in france the guillotine was still happening until the last last death by guillotine was in 1977. That is crazy. As in, in my parents' lifetime, someone in France has died by guillotine. As in, things that we think of with like, you know, Medieval. the Louis and, yes. you know, Marie Antoinette. Like, yes. literally eight, like, centuries ago. Yes. And... In 1977 was the last time someone was killed by guillotine in France, which is just so crazy. Yeah. There was... Uh, and then uh, in this past year, as of December 12th, 2019, there were um, 29... And in 29 states, uh, it's still legal mm-hmm. to have an uh, execution. There's over 2,600 people in the U.S. There's over 2,600 people on death row right now mm. in the U.S., um, and then in 2019, 22 people were executed in the U.S. Yeah. Um, so this is a very real thing that's still happening now. Um, not only in the U.S., like you said, but even across the world. Like we were just looking it up and there's 56 countries around the world that still have the death penalty, including countries um, like China, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Somalia, Botswana, like across the world, the death penalty is still happening. Um, and... I think one thing that we're really surprised by is like the way that it happens. Um, so there's different methods of yeah capital punishment across the world, which includes hanging, shooting, so by a firing squad or um, the lethal injection, um, which is more commonplace in the U.S. now. Yeah. But again, like, I and I don't say this to belittle, you know, evil that has happened and crimes that have been committed, like. I'm not trying to belittle those in any way, shape or form, but yeah, I just, 
I can never sort of get my mind around the fact that this is still happening today. And there's amazing work being done. I know that a lot of human rights um, organizations like Amnesty International or Human Rights Watch are doing a lot and lawyers across the world are doing a lot to abolish capital punishment. Um, and I was just thinking, uh, we were just talking about uh, one of my friends, Jordan, and his wife, Tessa. Um, Tessa does this work where like, she's a lawyer who works with um, inmates on death row, which to me, I'm just like, these are like real life superheroes who I'm just in awe of doing this work. So there's a lot of work that's being done. Mm-hmm. And again, like another challenging question that I'm asking myself is what am I doing to stop this? You know, like a huge reason I chose the program that I'm doing, which um, involves human rights was exactly for things like this. Where I, was just, I just not on my watch, you know, was kind of what I was thinking is. How can we um, find out what's happening in our home state or our home country? And where is it that we can continue to move towards, yeah, calls for justice and to completely eradicate capital punishment? Um, And sort of it got us thinking on this topic that, um, like, they kind of start to scratch around at it at the end of the movie, which is what is this difference between justice Mm -hmm. and mercy and grace? Like, Mm -hmm. what are those three different words that kind of intermingle but kind of mean different things yeah they're using a few of them in their title yeah yeah um so yeah you have justice which is this idea of like getting what you deserve Mm -hmm. so if you steal a car then Mm -hmm. you you know get obviously whatever this amount of jail time yeah um mercy would be not getting what you deserve so you steal a car and you're forgiven yeah nothing happens yeah maybe Um, a warning a warning a warning yeah and then grace is this is this like unmerited favor idea. Mm-hmm. So you steal a car, and not only do you not get what you deserve, mm-hmm. but you also are given something that's good. Yeah. So you're given another yeah. car, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, or whatever that may be. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it is interesting to see what our systems have come to in terms of. Um, looking at these sort of different levels of like possible reactions Mm. to things. Um, You can act in a just way. You can act in a merciful way. You can Mm. act in a gracious way. Mm. Or obviously there's the unjust way. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think to be honest, all of those things are being called into question now. Um, You know, there's so many movements for, you know, hashtag defund the police, reimagining what our societies could look like a lot of people are just questioning i think at a structural level more than we have before to be honest we were talking about this recently it's just like even from an education point of view like actually how do we rethink it from a big macro level um yes but there's micro work that needs to be done we've already addressed this each one of us needs to figure out like the work that's going on inside of our heart Mm -hmm. but we need policies, we need laws, we need systems that help benefit everyone in society. Um, So genuinely, I think those sort of three concepts are new ways that sort of have also been on my mind of, yeah, how do we build a just, wealthy, thriving, flourishing society? Yes. And I I just keep Going back, and as we're talking to that, the second quote that I read of the character of our nation isn't reflected in how we treat the rich, but in how we treat the poor, the disfavored, and condemned. Mm. Because the reality is, is that our systems aren't benefiting the the poor or the racial minorities. Mm. Um, they're not. They're oppressing them. And so even what we think of as justice 
is not. It's injustice because yeah. we've already set up people for failure. Yeah. And I'm sure that that's true all around the world. You yeah, know? definitely. Not just here. Definitely. And sort of getting people to rethink sort of what that means for them is super important. Yeah, that's mm. great. Um, yeah, so Food this is thought. left, I know, this is left, <laughs> left with, again, as always, more questions than answers. Um, but yeah, what are some questions that sort of this has left you thinking about, Caitlin? Um, two big questions that I had. Uh, the first one was just why do bad systems last for so long? Mm. It's a good question. Yeah. Why is it, why is it that the current that we can just ride that current of injustice, the current of impression, yeah. oppression for for such a long time, even though it bothers our consciences, even though so many people, you know, before us have thought, mm. this just doesn't seem right. And yeah. I mean, you can see it. And and even in like, you saw it in certain minor characters in this movie. And you also saw it even like when people were watching the death of this yeah. man, um, not of Walter, but of Herbert. Um, you could see that there's something in people that just reacts, wait, no, this is wrong. wrong yeah. Like I should intervene. And yet, I think the insidious thing about them is that they transform, don't they? These bad systems, they take on new shape, new life. And some one thing that we were discussing is I saw um, um, a post on social media this past week that was saying, you know, the way that we're killing black people in America has just changed, you know, in the 1800, in the late 1800s, it looked like slavery. And then it looked like Jim Crow laws. And then it looked like, and part of that looked like lynchings mm -hmm. and, you know, yeah, now is looking a lot more like police brutality and the disproportionate rate of incarceration of black people in America, but not just in America, we've seen because of the Black Lives Matter movement is across the world is it's a disproportionate incarceration of black and brown bodies uh, mm -hmm. that are being yeah, not treated fairly or not treated with justice or dignity. Mm -hmm. um, and so sort of, I think the reason, yeah, maybe one of the reasons they last for so long is partly this thing that they, they transform. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about this sort of, I know, um, this idea of like, you know, genocide and how when genocides happen, they are atrocious, but we, we offer, we hopefully call it what it is, you yes, know, that it is a genocide. Yeah. Yes. As it's happening. And more often than not, genocides are fairly, um, relatively quick, I'd say in terms of a time period. But I think when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to incarceration or injustice, it's sort of this, it feels like a slow genocide, which is, you know, painful again, because it just feels like this long drawn out erosion mm -hmm. of justice, mm -hmm. um, that is taking on new insidious forms. And if we're not keeping our eyes open or, you know, playing our part as active members of society to, to keep, you know, people in places of authority accountable for how our society is, you know, administering justice, mm -hmm. they continue to morph and take on new shapes. Yeah. And it's crazy that for a slow genocide to work, it takes literally decades of people yeah. um, turning the their eyes away, you know, yeah. not doing the right thing, not saying anything. It's That's a little disturbing. Mm. Um, and it takes decades of people saying that this isn't happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So and much I, denial. And yeah. I, make, I mean, the other, the other thought is like, why are we so cruel? Mm. What, what is it in us that mm -hmm. is okay with dehumanizing others? Um, what is it in us that is actually so inhuman mm -hmm. that we would um, dehumanize other people? Mm -hmm. I think I was really, um, yeah, again, just was so 
like touched and so um <laughs> disturbed yeah watching this man's like watching herbert's death and mm. um watching like the insi- the insistent and the incessant um denial of justice mm-hmm. to walter um they have a trial it's so clearly they even have you know the guy who originally accused him and said he was the witness of his um of the murder he recants he recants <laughs> yeah. he says it's not true and even even though like all these things happen in this trial, it's still thrown out. Basically, mm. um, what is it in us that can be like so cruel? And I think again, it's I, I don't think it's something that happens overnight. You know, it's not like some click that we turn on. It it happens over a lifetime. It happens when we don't teach our children what justice actually means. It happens when we don't take care of the most vulnerable in our society. It happens when we have systems that are broken, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think these things happen over a lifetime. So if we're, if we're talking about bringing justice over a lifetime and giving people dignity over a lifetime, we need to just as equally be aware of how me dehumanizing someone else can happen over a lifetime. Like um, we've, also in terms of like gender-based violence for example you know something that has persisted and persisted that is essentially a dehumanization of women Mm -hmm. um so again really just asking these questions of where is it that i start at the very beginning of a life you know teaching my sons what it means to actually not dehumanize women to respect women and really just getting those things from a very young age is super important yeah what are the little decisions that we can make yeah and i guess maybe to sort of wrap things up like one of the quotes that really stuck out to me was um uh was around hope and this part has been really like this conversation is often like been really challenging and i think at the end of the movie um brian stevenson's character says hope allows us to push forward even when the truth is distorted by people in power it allows us to stand up when they tell us to sit down and to speak when they say be quiet um yeah and so the thing that i'm chewing on for the rest of this week is yeah what a powerful thing hope is and it's actually a really difficult thing to hold on to when faced with so much injustice but yeah, I'm thinking about that this week is, yeah, what does it look like for me to be hopeful and to use hope as a form of resistance? That's great. Yeah. Thanks so much again for joining us at the table for lunch on Monday. Next week, we're going to be discussing what racism looks like here in Europe. And if you guys have any thoughts or articles on this, please send them to us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you can send it to us at lunchonmonday at gmail.com. And again, any of the resources that we've mentioned today, you can find in the show notes. You can have our emails in there too. And we would just love to hear your thoughts in general. Can't wait to chat to you again next time. See you soon.